Today, as part of our Encounters series, we're talking about encountering more of God, encountering more of the power of God. Now, prayer is a great way to do that, to encounter God's power, but there are other ways as well, and we're talking a little bit about that through this Encounters series, and today has the very grand title of Revelation, talking about how God reveals himself, <coughs> excuse me, reveals himself to us in power. And I thought we'd start by talking about DIY, uh, and you'll see why that's relevant in a, in a minute. But uh, I, I am rubbish at DIY, uh, really rubbish at it. Uh, we ha- used to have a house. When we lived in Kingston, Ruth and I, we bought a house. The only way we could afford to live there was to buy a house that needed everything doing to it, this house. And it took us five years to do up this house. And lots of help from friends, one or two of whom are sitting here right now, who uh, helped us decorate our house. Uh, but it needed lots of work done into it. And uh, one of the things we did do was the kitchen. I put in a new, we put in a new kitchen. Uh, Ruth was directing and I was labouring. Uh, and one bank holiday Monday, we'd spent all day putting this kitchen in and we had people coming round in the evening uh, for dinner. And we spent all day doing all this kitchen stuff. And the last thing was the light. And it was getting a bit close to the time where really we should have been focusing on the dinner, but we didn't. Uh, I said, right, let's just get the light done. And when I undid the light fitting that was in there, and it was just one of those horrible fluorescent tube light things, there were 12 wires that needed to be connected. And so we had a new light, and I put in the 12 wires. There was one wire that was black with the tiniest bit of red tape you've ever seen around it. And I presumed that because black was the predominant color, it was whatever black was, neutral? Yeah, neutral. So I did it into the neutral. I turned the light on when I put it all up, turned the light switch on, and the light went on. I went, way, and then there was a bang, and flames came out of the light switch, and the light went off, and I completely shot the electrics. And I thought, well, something's obviously not quite right, so I just switched it off and switched it back on again, thinking that would do it. Further bangs and flames and uh, all of that kind of stuff. And so we had to get an emergency electrician on Bank Holiday Monday who had to arrive in the middle of the dinner party, and he fixed it in about five minutes. And it was this wire that had the red, should have gone in the live, not the neutral. And he fixed it in five minutes, and it cost us £120 because it was Bank Holiday Monday Emergency Electrician. So that is how uh, uh, rubbish at DIY I am. I'm rubbish at DIY, but I love tools. And whenever I go to Wix or Homebase for something other than tools, I always buy a tool, because I love tools, and I've got a shed full of them. And I've got uh, enormous toolboxes full of tools. I love them. I've got more of those screwdrivers that have the, the removable head. You know those sets you get with screwdrivers with the different heads that you go in? And I've got about six of those sets because I think they're fantastic. And every time I see one, I buy one. And I go home and Ruth says, why have you bought? We've got another five sitting in the shed. So I've got all these tools and I never use them because I'm rubbish at DIY. I can put a shelf up. Uh, but I'm in awe of people who are great at DIY. And there are a number in this room I know because they've come and helped us with DIY in our house. And I'm rubbish at it, but I'm in awe of those people who are great at it and can lay patios and put, build things and you know, all of that kind of stuff. I, I would love to be like that. But uh, as I get older, I realise I need to learn my limitations, and DIY is one of them, definitely. Now, do you remember, I don't know whether you will, there were lots of people in the first service who remember this because there's a few people of a slightly older generation. Do you remember those hand drills? My dad had one of those hand drills before power drills came out. There were hand drills. You know that my dad had one, and I remember him having to kind of brace it in here and push up against the wall like this with all his might to try and drill holes in the wall for shelves and stuff like that because there weren't any power drills around. This was when I was a kid. And, it, you know, these hand drills were really hard work. You remember them? Well, of course, now we have power drills. 
And even if you're not very good at DIY, like me, you love power drills. And you particularly love those ones that have got a hammer setting on them. Uh, and it's just a fabulous noise that they make when you drill into brick with the hammer setting on. That sort of screeching, pounding, fabulous power drill kind of noise. And of course, they're much better than hand drills, power drills, because they're so much, they make life so much easier and so much uh, uh, less work. You don't have to do all of this. And it's great. I love those kind of power drill things. But those power drills make life easier because they're, they're hooked into a power source, right? The hand drill's got no power. The power drill is hooked into a power source, whatever it is, electric or one of those rechargeable battery things. It's hooked into a power source, and that's what makes it powerful. That's what makes it useful. And that's what makes it so much more productive than one of these hand drill things is. And the same is true of Christianity. Because actually, without any connection to a power source... Christianity as a, a faith and as a religion is, well, nigh on useless. Without any connection to a power source, Christianity becomes no different to any other religion or faith in the world. Without connection to some kind of power source, uh, what we do is just a series of meaningless rituals. What Christianity needs to bring it to life and to make it something different and fabulous and unique and useful and productive and significant is a source of power. And that's what we're talking about in this encounter series, how we encounter this power source. And if you read the Bible, you find over and over and over again, God and power talked about in the same sentence, oftentimes in the same phrase. God and power are intimately connected. There is a power of God that is available to people. And without it, we're like pounding on a a hand drill. With it... We're so much more productive, so much more significant, so much more useful. See, we can have the best band, the best lighting set up, that we can have the, the best speakers, we can have uh, the best communicators, we can have the best of all of these kinds of things, but without the power of God, they are meaningless and useless. We can have the best church, the best community action programs, the best small groups, the best children's and youth work, but without the power of God, they mean nothing. There is no connection to any kind of source. Two weeks ago was our Vision Sunday, and uh, we talked about the power of God at work in a local church, and how significant that can be. The things that God has done in our church over the last year, and the things we think God might do in our church over the next year. And can I say, if you weren't able to be here two weeks ago, I really want to encourage you to get hold of those talks. Because you really need to know about where we sense God is leading us, so you can be a part of it. And you can do that in two ways. You can go out into the lobby, and you can borrow the CD from the CD library that we have on the table out here. And, And if other people have borrowed them, come back next week and borrow them next week. Or if you've got access to the internet, you can go to our website, ebc-bracknell.org. You can click on the resources section at the top, and you can listen to them online, or you can download them uh, as MP3 files for your uh, iPod or whatever it is. But I really want to encourage you to get hold of those talks from that Vision Sunday. And you can hear the talks from every week up there as well if you were to miss them. So two weeks ago, we talked about the power of God at work in a local church and the potential for a church when the power of God is at work in it. And two weeks before that, we talked about the power of the cross, the power at work when Jesus hung on a cross and died, the power of the cross to give us liberation, freedom, forgiveness, identification with suffering and victory. And today, we're talking about the power that is available to us as God reveals himself to us through his spirit.
And just a word of explanation here. God exists as three in one. God exists as Father, Son and Spirit. The three in one. And God's Spirit is God's presence with us today. So when Jesus was walking on earth, he was God's presence amongst the people. Jesus goes back to heaven to be with God and says, I will leave you with this gift of the Holy Spirit, which is my presence with you from now onwards. And that kind of makes sense. I know it sounds a bit weird and mysterious sometimes, but it kind of makes sense. If there is a God and God loves us, does it not make sense that he would somehow want to have some way of connecting with us, some way of being present with us? That begins to make sense when you think of it that way. And that's what the Spirit is, just God's way of being present with us. And it's this Spirit who reveals God to us, It is his spirit that gives us power to live as God wants us to live. And without plugging ourselves into that kind of power, we're like a hand drill, nigh on useless. But when we're connected into that power, the Christian faith becomes real and active and alive. And you don't have to take my word for it that this is the way that Christianity works, because... uh, in the Bible, uh, this guy Paul, who we've talked about from time to time, Paul was one of the first followers of Jesus, and he, he started loads of churches uh, all around uh, the Middle East and beyond into Europe and so on. And he wrote to them, he wrote letters to them, and one of the letters he wrote was to a church in a place called Corinth. And, uh, and we're working our way through this letter as we uh, look through this series on encounters, and we find ourselves in chapter 2 of this letter today. And I'm just going to read to you some of the things that Paul says in this chapter, about connecting to the source of this power and God revealing himself. And Paul says this, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And then just skipping on a bit later, Paul says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, these things God has prepared for those who love him. For God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit within? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritual taught words. And then a little bit later on, For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So Paul is engaging with this topic of the power of the Spirit and he clearly sets out the need for the Spirit. He's saying, if we are to walk with God, we need the power of the Spirit at work in us. Paul makes that very clear. You see, Paul was a very gifted speaker. And he saw incredible things happen when he spoke. And yet he makes it clear in this letter that it is only God's presence, the Spirit within him, that enables to see these things happening. He says he is weak. He says he comes before people with fear and trembling. This is extraordinary because Paul does all these incredible things. And yet he himself says here, when I do those things, when I speak, it is with fear and trembling and in weakness. 
But Paul says it is the Spirit's power that enables these incredible things to happen. Paul says that his message was received with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And that our faith should rest not on our own wisdom and understanding, but on God's power. See, we are weak like Paul, really. We wonder very often how we can make a difference. How we can truly live a life of significance. We feel like Paul. But with the Spirit's power, amazing things can happen. And Paul says that our faith should not rest on our own wisdom, but on the Spirit's power. Later on, Paul says that God has incredible things in mind for those who love him. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, these things God has prepared for those who love him. What he's saying is if we love God and we follow God, our small brains cannot even begin to grasp the incredible and amazing things that God has in store for us. God has unbelievable things in mind for those who love him. Now that doesn't mean that God is going to give us untold riches and nice, easy, comfortable lives. It's not those kinds of things that God has in mind for us. It's unbelievable and amazing things that we can do with our lives for his sake. It's incredible and unbelievable and amazing things that God would call us to. And what Paul says is key, for God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. The way we know these incredible things that God has in mind for us is it's the Spirit, God's presence, who reveals them to us. The Bible says this over and over again, that God has amazing and incredible things in mind for those who follow him. He has a tremendous life of significance in mind for those who want to follow him. You know, and I get so frustrated when I see people living in apathy. And, you know, this happens not just uh, outside the walls of the church, it happens to the church as well. That we live so often in incredible apathy. Just existing from day to day to day, going to work, coming home, watching the telly, going to bed, going to work, coming home, watching the telly, going to bed. And we exist like this, in this sort of routine of monotony. And, I mean, we may have a job that we love, and that's fantastic. But we're just not doing with our lives the things that we might. Now, I'm as much for staying at home and watching telly as anybody. I, you know, if I've had a busy week, I like nothing better than curling up in front of a great movie or, or going and watching the telly uh, with Ruth on a Friday evening when the kids have gone to bed. No, no, I'm not saying we should never watch the telly. But there are people who that becomes their life. They just spend all of their time in apathy. And I get so frustrated when I see that. Because living that way takes away this opportunity to begin to see glimpses of these unbelievable things that God has in mind for us. And to exist in this monotonous apathy just takes away any opportunity for those things to happen. And it's not just apathy where this happens. You know, years ago, I was totally enslaved to my career, to the accumulation of money and stuff. And I lived my life like that. My job and my career were the absolute number one priority in my life, and nothing else was as important. And you know, I realised when I look back on that, that that is just to throw your life away again. Now again, it's not that jobs and careers aren't important, it's not that we shouldn't do our best when we're there, but to become all about that, for those to become the only priority in our life, the number one priority in our life, 
is to take away the opportunity for God to do something extraordinary through us. We have to stop throwing our lives away and to press in to the amazing things that God has in store for us. And many of those amazing things can happen when we contribute together as a church family. You know, we don't ask people to do things and to serve and to to do stuff in church life because we want to get them done. We ask people to do those because it is an opportunity for us to experience the power of God doing things we can't possibly imagine, but coming together to do them sees them possible. You know, it's sometimes beyond my understanding that between us, twice a year, the sheer quantity of stuff that is given for storehouse could be given. And the sheer number of people who come and take that stuff away, many of whom say to us, this is a lifesaver for me. This will clothe my children for the next six months until the next one. Because I had no idea where I was going to find the money to clothe my kids. To be involved in something like that, in however small a way, is what an incredible opportunity. And there are so many things like that. You know, our children's and youth work that happens. What an unbelievable thing. And, you know, many of us, including me, I don't serve in the children's and youth work, but I love basking in the reflected glory of what happens for God in the children's and youth work. I love it that there's, what, 40 or 50 kids here once a month on a Friday evening. It's fantastic. Phil will testify, I don't do anything. (laughs) But what a great thing to be a part of a church where that kind of stuff happens. The stuff we do overseas to help people in need, what a great opportunity. You know, as we work together we can begin to see the incredible things that God has in mind for us. You know, we need to change the way we think about success of our lives. What makes a life successful? And so often we think it's about the trappings. We think it's about how good we are at our job. Forget the trappings of this world. That is not a measure in God's economy of success. How much money you have is no measure of success in God's economy. What is success for living for God is the significance that we have with our lives. We have to forget the trappings of this world and press into the stuff that God has in mind for us. Just this last month, these last few weeks, have been the most intense of the ten and a half years I've known as a minister. These last few weeks. The things that have gone on, both good and tragic, in the life of our community together over this last month have been extraordinary and I've never known the sheer weight of them. And we have had, you know, the Vision Sunday which was fabulous and needed lots of preparing for and all that kind of stuff and was received really well. We've had numerous really difficult and sad sometimes and complex pastoral situations to deal with. We've tried new styles of Sunday services and new series. We've got people who really need help and care. We've got stuff going on in our own family, both good and bad. We've had to spend time celebrating birthdays, which has just been fabulous in our family. We need to spend time with our kids and all of that kind of stuff. It's been unbelievably intense. And you know what? At the same time, it's been utterly amazing. Utterly amazing. God has shown up in incredible ways and answered prayers in an amazing fashion. And I have story after story after story I could tell you of what God has done through these different situations. And you know, I have had the opportunity just these last few weeks to feel right where, that I am right where God wants me to be. Right in the zone, sports commentators would say. And it has felt unbelievable and not at all comfortable. And I have felt stretched beyond what I thought I was able to do and I have felt right out on a limb. 
But God has done unbelievable things, and God has been so gracious. And I arrive at this point, and I should be thinking, I'm going holiday on Friday, I cannot wait because I'm knackered. But I'm so full of energy. And only God could do that, given what we've been through together over the last month or so. And I think to myself, why do I only feel like this the minority of the time? Why don't I feel like this the majority of the time? Because if I'm out there living for God and he's revealing to me, to me these unbelievable things that he has in mind for me, which I'm promised here, should I not be feeling like this most all of the time? And yet it's a minority thing for me. And I think to myself, I want to push, I want to press in to God to feel like this most of the time. And then I think to myself, and I want that for you too. I want you to feel this way too tells us here that God has unbelievable things in mind for us, but that he reveals those things to us by his spirit. If we want to have that kind of life, if I want to feel this way most of the time, I have to press in and ask God to reveal these things to me through his spirit. We have to make sure we are on the receiving end of that revelation. And that's why what we're talking about today is so important. And Paul reiterates it in these Verses immediately after, for God has revealed them to us by his spirit, Paul makes an argument. And he makes an argument in the way that he quite often makes an argument in his letters. And it's like a maths equation. And he says, if A is true and B is true, therefore we can conclude C. That's what he does. And all the mathematicians and engineers in the room, all of a sudden, oh, it's got the interesting point of the talk. If A and B is true, then C is true. And what Paul says is this. A is that um, the only person who knows what a person is thinking is that person himself. The only way that somebody knows what they're thinking is the spirit within them. The only person who knows what you're thinking right now is your own spirit within you. So some of you are thinking, I wish you'd sit down and shut up. But we don't know that. The only thing, person who knows that is the spirit that's within you. Other people are, are thinking other things about what's for lunch or whatever. The only person who knows how you're thinking is you. The only per- and Paul says this, the only person who knows how God's thinking is God's spirit, is the spirit within God's. So that's A. The only person who knows what God's thinking is the Spirit of God. Just like the only person who knows what we're thinking is our own spirit. And then he says B. The Spirit is available for all who follow God. And therefore he makes the conclusion, see, if A is true that God's Spirit knows what God's thinking, and B is true that the Spirit is available to those who follow God, the inevitable conclusion is that people who follow God can know what God is thinking. Do you get that? Is that logical? Is it right-sided brain people going, yes, makes absolute sense. Those left-sided, arty, brainy people are going, no idea what you're talking about. The truth is that we can know what God is thinking. That's what Paul's saying. We can know through God's spirit the mind of God. Now that is an extraordinary opportunity. We can know the mind of God. Wouldn't we want that? If God is existing, and we believe he is, wouldn't we want to know sometimes what he's thinking? Wouldn't we want to live the kind of life he has in mind for us to live? And the way we can live that life is to know what it is. And we can ask him. So that leads us inevitably to the next question. How do we know what God is thinking? How do we allow God to reveal this stuff to us? Well, we're back to tools here because we need a toolkit There is a toolkit to revelation, a toolkit to how God reveals himself to us. And the first tool in our toolkit is the Bible. 
is a great way that God reveals to us what he thinks about things. And the way that we can know what God thinks about things is to read it. And uh, uh, many of us have uh, found helpful over the last few years this journaling idea of of taking time to read a short passage, short bit from the Bible most days, and then to to write in a little journal like this what we think God is saying in these bits that we're reading. And I've got some of these in my office, so if you want one of these, you're very welcome to take it. It's got a little bit of guidance about how you can actually do this journaling thing. But if we want to know what God thinks about some things, we need to read this book. And then we need to say to God, what are you saying to me in this bit that I've just read, and how does that apply to my life? And I write that down in a journal, and then I can look back at it and see. Over and over and over again, it's extraordinary how many times I read it, and I think, that is just right for me right now. How did God know that is just what I needed to hear today? And I I won't read this to you, because it's kind of personal. But you could go through this if I gave this to you. And you see, over and over again, I'm, I write in here, I can't believe you're saying this to me today. And, oh God, I needed to hear this today. And, and that's good times and bad times as well. So, number one tool in our toolkit is the Bible. And you, you, we just got to read it. Number two way that God speaks to us is sometimes God whispers. God, God gives us impressions or pictures or words that just come into our mind. And uh, people often start to think, this is just getting weird now. But it's not weird. Really, if you think about it, if God loves us, wouldn't he want to speak to us sometimes? You know, I love my wife. And I want to talk to her sometimes. Not all the time. (laughs) After a long day at work, I'd rather sit in front of the telly, but we've talked about that. Covered that already. I want to speak to her. If God loves us, he'd want to speak to us, wouldn't he? That's not weird. And uh, God, the way God speaks is that when we're being quiet, maybe when we're praying, when we've opened ourselves up to him, he might just put an impression, a thought, a picture in our minds. And we should trust that that is from God. And people often say to me, well, it could be me. How do I know it's God? And all that kind of stuff. I think sometimes we've got to move out on a limb here and just say, well, we'll just trust that it's God. If we're opened up to God and saying, please speak to me now, we should just trust what comes into our minds and into our hearts or pictures or images or words, particularly if they're things we weren't thinking about. I'll give you an example. We go to New Wine, Ruth and I, every year, Christian conference, and we, uh, we're, we're on a pastoral thing there. We, we are team pastors for one of the children's work teams, which means we don't actually do the children's work, but we look after the people who do. And one of the things we do is we have an hour with them every day, and we pray with them and uh, sing and worship and, and do some teaching every day. And what we always do at the beginning of the week with that team, when we don't know any of them, because they come from all over the country and we don't know them, is we get them to sit around in a big circle, and we go around and we pray for them. And we just ask God, has he got anything he wants to say to these people? And if we get a thought or an impression or a picture in our minds, we just say, I, I think God might be saying, we don't say God is saying, because it could be us and not him. We say, I think God might be saying. And we were doing this last, uh, last summer, and there was this woman, and I got to this lady, and I was just praying to her, I got this real impression that it had been really hard for her to get there. That something was going on that meant she had to make a sacrifice. There was just something that was hard for her to get there. So I just said to her, has it been hard for you to get here this week? And she just burst into tears. She just said, unbelievably hard. You wouldn't believe it. And I said, well, I think that's what we should pray about then. And that kind of set her up for, for the week. And all that was, nothing weird or just a thought in my mind. I think it's been hard for this woman to get here. That must have been from God because I didn't know her. I'd never met her before. That's the sort of way that God can communicate. That's another tool in our toolkit. And if you've never opened yourself up to God to speak to you in this way, start. And the best way to start is just to say, God, I want you to speak. Just wait, see, 
thought or an image or a picture or whatever pops into your mind, write it down. And then just see. And then go back at it a week later and say, I wonder if that made any sense. Or if it's for somebody else, if you're praying for somebody else, I just think God might be saying, don't ever say, God is saying to you this. Somebody once said, said to me, was engaged to Ruth, God is saying to you, you shouldn't marry the woman you're engaged to. That is not good. Uh, at any level. And I think they've been proved, well, you can, you, those of you who know us will say whether you think we've been proved wrong or not, but I think so. 16 years or whatever it is. God, th- that's not the way God works. And the way to, to, to do it is to just say to people, I think God might be saying, and then allow them to weigh it and test it and see. I want to say that God will never contradict the Bible in these things that he sometimes speaks to us. God will never do that. So if something comes to you that contradicts the Bible, that's not of God. But let's just try it and see what God might do. I encourage you for that. The, the, the next thing in our toolkit is God sometimes works in miraculous ways. We have the opportunity to pray for people. Sometimes we pray that people might be healed, or we pray for God to speak to them, or whatever. That's another way that God reveals himself to us, in miraculous ways, as we pray. And then the fourth way is, is prayer. The fourth part of our toolkit is prayer. God reveals himself to us as we pray, and as we pray for other people, and as we ask people to pray for us. As we are on the giving and receiving end of prayer, God can reveal himself to us. You know, one other way that God reveals himself to us as a church is when we gather together for these church meetings that we do. They're a way of God revealing his will to us for his church. When we get together for those church meetings, we don't come together for a business meeting. We come together to hear and provide God with an opportunity to reveal himself to us. That sounds more exciting to me. Let's have a church meeting to discuss church business and talk about finance. Now, that doesn't sound very exciting to me. Does that sound exciting to you? No. We say, let's gather together and provide God with an opportunity to reveal himself to us. That sounds more exciting to me. And that is what we're supposed to be doing. And that's why if you come to our church meetings, and if you're a regular attender or a member, you're welcome that we now have opportunities where we pray together and we worship God together and we're just trying to allow more space for God to reveal himself to us and we're doing less business and more conversation and dialogue and prayer and just seeking God for the big things in the life of the church. That's why we're doing it. Because it is supposed to be an opportunity for God to reveal himself to us. So that's how God reveals himself. And I just want to encourage you to push into that, to try it. I mean, it takes time, I know it does. And I know we live busy and pressurised lives. But what should be more of a priority in our lives than allowing God, the creator and the maker of the universe who loves us and sent Jesus for us, to reveal himself to us? What could be more of a priority for us than that? So we need to create space and time to allow God to reveal himself as we read the Bible and as we pray and as we ask him to do that. This always must flow out of our sense of weakness. That's what Paul is doing. Paul is saying, I feel weak. I come before you with fear and trembling. But it is as I'm weak that God's power can work. And it's out of weakness that God can reveal himself to us. So when we're asking God to do this, we need to come before him to say, look, I just feel weak. But would you reveal yourself to me in power? The best illustration, I'm going to finish with this. The best illustration I ever heard for this, excuse me one second, was a, a guy was saying, imagine a pot, a clay pot, that is broken, it's in pieces. And you know, if you've got big enough hands, you can put the pot back together again. 
because you can hold it with the pressure of your hands to keep all the pieces in place even though it's broken. Does that make sense? Even though you can hold it, you can cup it in your hands and you can hold this pot and if you apply enough pressure to it you can actually almost make the cracks disappear and you can pour fluid into it and, and it would be able to hold it. And that is what God can do with our lives. That our lives are so often broken and messy and we feel weak and you know, all of this kind of stuff. But they are like pieces of a pot, all these weaknesses in our lives that God can piece back together and in God's hands they can be held together so that God can fill our lives with his spirit of power. And I thought that was a brilliant way of explaining it. And so right now we're just going to do that. Just, we'll just be quiet, we'll pray. And I want you to imagine broken pieces of a pot and each of the pieces is like an area of your life where we, you feel weak. It might be in the area of relationships, it might be family, it might be a secret addiction or something that you're struggling with, it might be a pattern of sin that you find yourself continually in, it might be at work, it might be in all kinds of different ways where you sense there are these weaknesses and I want you to imagine them as pieces of a pot and as you list each one before God, imagine you're placing these bits of a pot into God's hands and he is holding them and he can put them all together and create a pot or a life that is beautiful and significant and meaningful and then he can just pour his spirit of power into your weak and broken pot, your weak and broken life and he can do unbelievable things in and through you. So just start doing that now. Imagine those pieces of the pot. Mm-hmm.